Are you one of the hundreds of millions of people that have health issues that can be traced to your sleep problems? Buckle on up as you are about to hear from a pioneer in the field of integrative medicine who can help you enjoy a good night's rest. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast, where we interview remarkable world-class experts that help bring out the greatness within you. Top book authors, super successful business people, and outstanding special guests that will motivate and inspire you with their incredible, uplifting stories and life-changing tips and strategies. Our goal is your success. If you desire more out of life, you've dialed into the right show. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, and let's get ready for some high-octane motivation. Now, your host, the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guest on The Motivation Show today is a New York Times bestselling author, as well as a pioneer and internationally recognized expert in the fields of integrative and functional medicine. He is the founder and director of 1111 Wellness Center in New York City, my hometown. His latest book is called Better Sleep, Better You, which he co-authors. Welcome to The Motivation Show, Dr. Frank Lipman. Thank you, Eli. Thanks for having me. Well, doctor, I personally selected you as a New Yorker <laughs> because I'm looking for somebody in this big metropolitan area who speaks my language of integrative and holistic health, someone who doesn't always lead with a pill. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about how people can heal themselves in a little bit more natural way. I'm reading your book and I can't put it down. And one of the fascinating things you say is that it, the key to living a longer, healthier life often starts with focusing on sleep. You even go further and you say that sleep is a matter of life and death. Tell us about that. Right. Well, I've been doing holistic medicine, integrative medicine for a long time. I've been practicing medicine for over 40 years, but we mainly talk about nutrition and exercise and stress and sleep it was maybe a little bit less now, always forgotten. And my book before this was on anti-aging and longevity. And when I was looking up all the research, there was so much research on how sleep affects our, our longevity. Can, if you don't sleep well, it predisposes you to all sorts of diseases. So I started, you know, although obviously I knew sleep was important, but until I started delving into the research, I didn't realize how important it was to one's health. And, you know, so many people, especially in New York, take sleep for granted. They see it as a nuisance that they actually, you know, they'd like more hours in the day and less sleep. And they don't, they don't realize how important sleep is to their health. So I thought I had to follow the, the anti-aging book up with a book on sleep, just trying to articulate how important sleep is to one's health and sort of that forgotten lifestyle factor to a large extent, unfortunately. Well, what's interesting is they call New York City the city that never sleeps, exactly. and we're proud of that. Exactly. But it doesn't sound like we should be proud of that because we need the sleep. We don't need necessarily the nightlife at 4 a.m. in the morning, right? 
Exactly. You know, so many people here in New York City, you know, see not sleeping as a badge of honor. And so the idea is to how do we change that? Because sleep, when you're sleeping, it's not a passive process. Your body is actively doing important functions when you're sleeping. Not only is your body recovering and healing, but here's a perfect example of what, what happens when you sleep. When you sleep, it helps clear your brain of toxins. We have something called the glymphatic system in the brain. And the glymphatic system is sort of like a detox, a garbage collection and disposal system all in one. And it only works when you sleep. So if you don't sleep, all those byproducts of your activity of the brain that build up during the day don't get cleared up. And if you don't sleep again for a couple of nights in a row, those toxins build up and over time create problems. You know, you know, the metaphor I always use is if you have a party one night and you go down the next morning and this, there's this mess and you don't clean it up and you then have another party the next night and the mess gets bigger and bigger. And until you clean up the mess, you know, you're going to have a problem. And the same thing is happening in your brain. You, you have this mess that gets created during the day. And it's only at night during sleep that that mess is sort of cleared out. You know, you mentioned that approximately 70% of people have sleep issues and that sleep is your primary rhythm. And most yes. of us are out of that rhythm and that all roads lead to and from sleep. The average person like myself who lives in New York City is probably maybe a little bit more type A. I'm consider myself sort of triple type A, you know, I've got my podcasts and I publish magazines. I'm going to be on a, a national TV show come this fall. Got a lot going on. And sometimes, even though you know, deep down inside, you got to get those sleep hours in you. You say, well, maybe I can cheat a little bit. And then there are those people that, you know, you look at and they only sleep four or five hours. Are they, you know, just in a one in a million exception to the rule? Well, there are a small percentage of people that only need four or five hours a night, but that is definitely the exception to the rule. I think for most people, although they think they only need four or five hours a night, you know, most people need a good seven hours. You know, six to eight is a very, very, would be a liberal number. I'd say seven to nine is probably more correct. Most of us need that sleep. And unfortunately, what happens is as we get older, it sometimes becomes more difficult to get that sleep. And then we think, well, we don't need as much as we get older, but that's not true at all. You need just as much when you're older as when you're younger. So a lack of sleep catches up with you in many ways. You know, I've seen over the years abnormal, let's say, lipid numbers or cholesterol numbers, blood sugar, weight gain, uh, all sorts of hormonal problems even gut problems from a lack of sleep or not sleeping enough. So, you know, we need to, to realize sleep is as important as diet. Why is our primary physicians mostly not telling us that we need to look into our sleep? Well, we don't get taught that at medical school. We don't get taught a lot of things at medical school. Uh, one of them is sleep. You know, I always say that because I'm a board certified internist, the way I got trained at medical school, you know, we, we go to medical school, we go through the hospitals, and we get trained in crisis care medicine. So if you're having a heart attack, if you break a bone, if you have acute pneumonia, Western medicine is fantastic because it's crisis care, that acute emergency type medicine. 
But most of us have these low-grade chronic problems. We're tired, we can't poop, we've got headaches, we're stressed out. Western medicine doesn't have any solutions for that. They may have a drug which treats a symptom, but that's like putting a Band-Aid over the oil light when you're driving your car. You know, and, and we take more care of our cars because if the oil light in our car goes on, we don't just put a Band-Aid over it, we take it to the mechanic. So that's unfortunately the model that we have in Western medicine. It's a crisis care model, and it's wonderful at crisis care. But most of these common day-to-day problems that most people have are not particularly well dealt with by regular doctors. And sleep is one of those lifestyle issues that is going to affect us. Sleep, diet, how we move our bodies, exercise, how we deal with the stresses. I like the metaphor you use in your book. And you say that your approach to treating patients is less like a mechanic and more like a gardener. Now, who wouldn't want to have a more of a gardener approach? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the, 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 actually the meta, that, that metaphor came from my Chinese medicine teachers, you know, because, which I think is a great metaphor. In Western medicine, if a part is broken, you either take it out or you try and fix that part, which is what a mechanic does. But what a gardener does, let's say you're growing, you, you're growing a garden and the leaves go yellow or the plant starts to wilt. You don't just paint those leaves green. You see why that plant is wilting. Is it getting enough water? Is it getting enough sun? Are the roots being impinged upon? So you're looking to see why that plant is wilting or why the leaves are going yellow. So there's looking for the underlying cause rather than just putting that Band-Aid over or, taking, or just ripping out the plant. Well, it certainly makes the supplement industry very wealthy, <laughs> that mechanic approach. So not just medicine in terms of the pharmaceutical companies, but there's this burgeoning industry of all these uh, other so-called natural pills that we are told that we need to take. And then before you know it, we're taking 13 of those. Right. Uh, no, I'm, look, it's, you know, I agree. The supplement industry is what I would call little pharma now. It's a big, powerful industry. Now, I'm not against supplements. I take probably about 20 to 30 supplements a day and very targeted supplements. I don't, I'm not saying, you know, to me, supplements are there to supplement a good lifestyle. But now that I'm 66 years old, I take certain nutrients to, you know, optimize my vitamin D. I know I'll measure certain levels and I'll, I'll optimize what I need to optimize. I'll do some genetic testing to see where my nutritional genetic pathways are weak and I'll support that. So I think personalized targeted supplementation is not a bad thing. Does everyone need to take as many supplements as me? No, but I do think, you know, when you're deficient in omega-3s or magnesium or vitamin D, it's worth, you know, supplementing with whatever you're deficient in. In, but I think it needs to be targeted and personalized. There's no, there's no magical supplements. I think they supplement a good lifestyle. Yeah, so we touched upon the fact that most of us are out of rhythm. And so speaking of rhythm, you mentioned that melatonin and cortisol are at the center of our sleep-wake choreography. Those are powerful words. You, you actually call it a delicate waltz between melatonin and cortisol production. I don't think the average person knows almost anything about cortisol and how it works in the body. And probably very few of us know about melatonin other than maybe somebody has told us we need to pop some melatonin supplements. Can you speak right. to that? Sure. So when you think of rhythm, you know, the 
primary rhythms that we know are day and night. That's our primary rhythm, darkness and light. I mean, obviously, they're the rhythms, other rhythms of the seasons, et cetera, et cetera. But the primary rhythm in nature is light and dark. I mean, we all, we go to sleep when it's dark, we wake up when it's light. And similarly in our body, the primary hormone at night is melatonin, which helps us sleep better, which is melatonin is known as a sleep hormone. And, you know, one of the primary hormones during the day that keeps you up and alert is cortisol. And when that gets imbalanced, when that is out of rhythm, that can affect how we sleep and our health in general. So ideally, your, your melatonin should increase as the light starts dimming in the evening and start a peak at night. So it keeps you asleep. And as morning, as daybreak comes in, your cortisol hormones start to rise and it rises during the day and that keeps your mind active and you wide awake so when you've got too much cortisol and then later in the day your cortisol starts dropping but if your cortisol level is too high at night and you don't have enough during the day then it's going to affect your sleep and many people don't sleep well at night because they feel too alert and wide awake often because their cortisol hormone is too high at the wrong time. So creating rhythm, especially the rhythm of melatonin and cortisol, to me is one of the primary ways of getting good sleep. I've never had a Western doctor tell me to measure my melatonin or cortisol. Can we measure those? And how do we do that? Well, that's a great question because you actually can measure cortisol, but it changes. It's not an accurate reflection because it all depends on the time of day that it's measured because it starts going up in the morning and peaking later. So although we do sometimes measure cortisol, I do as well, especially when someone's stressed out, it's not particularly helpful. What we have found is actually measuring cortisol, a salivary cortisol during the day, four times during the day and you know later on in the day to see when it's peaking can be more helpful. So once off cortisol level doesn't help, but to see it, a cortisol pattern throughout the day may be much more helpful. You have a chapter that talks about what's messing with our melatonin, you know, that we are tampering with our biological clocks. Tell us what's tampering with those biological clocks. Right. So let's go back to this whole concept of rhythm and regularity. I think our body thrives on a regular pattern. So Going to bed, for instance, at the same time or about the same time every night and waking up around the same time in the morning is really, really good for your body's rhythms and melatonin production. So it's not a good idea to think that you can go to bed uh, 11, 12 o'clock during the week and think you're going to catch up on the weekend. You know, as I said, your body thrives on rhythm. When you're doing that, it's going to not let your, your body's normal rhythms sink. So Getting to bed around the same time, waking up around the same time is really, really important for sleep. So I think we tend to forget that we as humans are microcosms of the macrocosm, which is the earth. We're much more tuned into the earth's rhythms, or many of us are, because of day and night and um, seasons. But we don't realize that we, in our body, we have many, many rhythms. Sleep is just one of the primary rhythms. But all your organ systems have a rhythm. Your gut has a particular rhythm. So trying to be more rhythmic of when we exercise, when we eat, when we go to sleep, 
is really good for not only sleep, but for our health in general. So New York City, we have Broadway. And average Broadway show ends at 10.30. By the time you get out, you get home. If you don't live in Manhattan, it's going to be 11.30, right? Is there an ideal time to actually sleep and wake? Because it doesn't sound like those Broadway goers or the Lincoln Center goers are meeting those needs. That's a good point because I think the most important thing is to try and get to sleep and wake up around the same time rather than you have to go to sleep at nine o'clock and wake up at six o'clock. You know, I particularly like to go to sleep early, wake up early because I'm a lot. My pattern is I do much better early in the morning. Now, you can be an owl and, and, and you can go to bed at 12 o'clock and, you know, then wake up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. The important thing is to try to be regular. Now, talking about Broadway, I have a problem, you know, when I go, you know, I love Broadway and I love going out for dinner with friends too. But I have to be careful. I can't do that regularly because it throws, you know, I get, because whether I go to sleep at, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock, I'll wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning anyway. So if you're doing it once in a while, once a week or at most, I think probably not a problem. Your body adjusts. But if you're continually doing that, I do think it eventually catches up with you, especially as you get older. I don't know, Eli, you're a New Yorker. You push your triple type A. I mean, you probably. I'm not proud of that. Right, you probably push through it, but you got to also listen to your body. I mean, some people can tolerate that. My belief is it eventually does catch up with us, and eventually we're going to have to listen to our bodies. Well, I'll tell you, you know, reading your book and reading something like where you say that lack of sleep is a proven risk factor for Alzheimer's, cancer, yeah. heart disease, heart attacks, stroke, diabetes, depression, anxiety obesity. I mean, that in itself right there is a wake-up call. Yep. And you talk about there are fundamental biological laws that are just bigger than, you know, all of us, you know, more pressing than our social obligations and work responsibilities, more powerful and advancements in Western medicine. And the, these, you know, biological rules you talk about are governed by this master clock. And if we cheat that master clock, we're in for some uh, bad news there. So uh, pun intended, it's a wake-up call that we need to pay more attention to our sleep. What do you recommend to the average person who doesn't even necessarily know that their sleep is being either interrupted or they don't realize that they've got some other medical problem and it may be tied into their sleep? Right. Well, you know, the only issue that we tend to think about or pick up in Western medicine, which is I think most doctors are aware of, is sleep apnea. But I wouldn't wait for sleep apnea before you realize that you're having a problem. What's interesting in this day and age, we now have these sleep monitors, like I wear an Oura ring or you can the Apple Watch. There are ways of actually at home, these wearables that you can actually see patterns of your sleep. So that for some people has been a big wake up call. You know, I, I recommend Oura ring or or some type of wearable just to, to, to make people aware of their sleep. And then they, they'll come back a couple of weeks later and go, God, I didn't realize I wasn't getting any deep sleep, or I didn't realize I get no REM sleep, whatever it is. So I think, although I, I don't think the wearables are where we'd like them to be, they give you enough information to give you an idea of how well or how badly you're sleeping over a period. I think 
the the metaphor or the idea I talked about earlier, the glymphatic system in the brain. I mean, I always think, or what I've found over so many years of practicing is you've got to scare people a little bit to motivate them to make changes. So that's why I put in the book and I tell my patients like Alzheimer's, diabetes, heart disease, uh, obesity. A lack of sleep is a risk factor. We know that from Western science is a risk factor for all these diseases. And as we get older, we become more aware of our mortality and we want to live a long, healthy life. So I think people start becoming aware of it. But, you know, sometimes you need a bit of a fear factor to scare people enough to make changes. It's not enough just to scare them and say, okay, these are the risks. This is what you can do. So I'm all about giving people the tools to make the changes to prevent those problems. It's not just saying you're going to get it. There are so many things one can do that aren't that difficult to affect positive change in one's body. You know, one of the things I like about what you say in your book, Better Sleep, Better You, is you, you try not to get too scientific. You try to keep it a little bit more simplistic because how many of us are actually suffering yep. or lacking sleep that really want to read a scientific book? Uh, and you even kind of say a pun in there. You say, well, that'll put you to sleep, but that's not the point yeah. of that. Uh, right. So, you know, the point of it is to educate you and give you some simple tools. And one of them, you say you can get a little bit more quicker promising results with a 21-day reset program that you have. So how do we push the restart button on our internal clock and achieve the results we so desperately need with your 21-day reset? Well, the idea is to, while we put that in, because we did an experiment with some people, young and older, because younger people have different issues. And the idea was to pull out the possible causes of not sleeping properly like alcohol is a common common issue with people who have sleep problems because people actually even think having a drink is going to help them with sleep but you know having a drink will put you to sleep or uh, but you'll wake up later at night so taking out alcohol was one of the, the factors we found very helpful when you eat and what you eat at night can be very important the state of your microbiome, the, your gut, the, those bacteria in your gut can be important. Your environment. One of the most important um, factors in sleep is having a dark room. You know, any little bit of light will inhibit your body's own production of melatonin. So, you know, we've got people to either, if they couldn't darken their rooms completely, to wear an eye mask. Uh, another factor with affecting one's sleep negatively is if a room the temperature is too hot because you're, once again, your body needs a very cold temperature for melatonin production. And most of us don't sleep in a cold room. You know, it really needs to be you know, less than 69, 68 degrees. So we sort of took all the factors that could affect one's sleep negatively and try to remove those. And for people to do that for 21 days and see how much better they felt when they removed the factors that could affect their sleep negatively. What about those people, and it's probably more male-oriented, that simply have bladder problems, you just got to get up in the middle of the night? Is it- I'm one bladder? of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah we got, as we get older, we get a larger prostate, we got to pee. So I think that's normal. You're going to have to get up to pee, but as long as you're able to go back to sleep, it's not a problem. So you can 
wake up twice, even three times, whatever it is at night to go to pee, as long as you're able to fall back asleep easily, then it's not necessarily a problem because your body does cycle through the different waves in sleep. So especially as you get older, it's going to be harder to get your seven, eight hours of sleep. Most of us, as we get older, are going to wake up once, twice, even three times. But as long as you go back to sleep after you had your pee, then not a problem. So you also mentioned there's no one universal solution for all of us, you know, for sleep. You know, we all have our own unique sleep patterns. And uh, what we do likely have in common is that we are just all surely out of sync with our environment. And uh, I like what you call it. You call it a cultural arrhythmia. <laughs> there are some universal laws, nevertheless, that you put in your book, you know, too much artificial light and too little natural light, you know, too much cortisol, too little consistency. Anything else you recommend for right, us well, sleep deprived people? Yeah. So one of the best tips I give my patients for uh, sleep problems is First thing in the morning, get outside and get some natural light. So, you know, the light and the rhythm concepts sort of go together, but are really important. You want your room as dark as possible during the night, so your melatonin is going to be secreted. But during the day, you want to get natural light. And actually, best time is the first thing in the morning, just to get outside and get some natural light. So we don't realize that because sleep is a rhythm, what you do during the day affects your sleep just as much as, as what you do at night. So that's an easy tip for most people to do. Just get outside, go ride your bike, go for a walk. First thing in the morning, get some natural light. Well, aside from sleep, what else would Dr. Frank Lickman like to talk about in the holistic integrative field that you think would make a difference for people that they, maybe they're not being advised by their primary physician? Right. So we all know about the importance of exercise. Obviously, that's going to affect our health in, in, a, in a big way. We all know about the importance of stress and dealing with stress. I'm a big fan of meditation or breathing or any way of dealing with stress. Diet, I think, is really important. And, you know, I'm a big believer there is no one right diet for everyone. Some people will do well on a paleo diet. Other people will do well on a vegan diet. There is no one way to eat. Having said that, the lower your sugar intake is the better. So I, you know, everyone should be on a low to no sugar diet, low to no processed food diet, you know, eat as close to nature as possible. You know, sugar to me is the devil. You know, you, we've got to get the sugars and the processed foods out of our diet. I think that is really important. And, and probably the aspects of health, and especially when it comes to longevity, but health in general, are some of the aspects, you know, what I say is the ordinary things we do on a daily basis have an extraordinary effect on our health. Being kind to other people, having gratitude, maybe going for a walk in nature, in New York City, going to the park. You know, these little things that we do every day have extraordinary effects on our health. So I'm a big fan of being kind to yourself, being kind to others, being kind to the universe. These aspects of, you know, I'll use you as an example, Eli, being passionate or finding meaning in one's life mm. is probably more important for your health than what you eat or how you sleep even. So the, the, these little things that we take for granted that we don't think affect our health, affect our health in a big way. Being in a community or feeling part of a community 
you know, being passionate about something. It could be your family. It doesn't have to be changing the world. So I think the being kind, finding meaning, having gratitude, going for a walk in nature, being part of a community, those aspects of health are completely ignored by Western medicine and even by a lot of integrative physicians. And to me, those are as important then as how we sleep, how we eat, how we move our bodies, how we deal with stress. You know, I was at a health fair one time and in New York City, there's a very well-known gentleman who is uh, into alternative health and he's got a, a million different alternative supplements and things. And I said, there's Gary Null. And I said to Gary, this is going back 24 years ago. I said, what's the solution here? Because I can't take all 150 of the supplements right. you have on display. And I thought what he answered was very profound. And basically, he summarized what you just did. His answer was, let's go take a walk in the park. That was his first thing is if you don't take a walk in the park, all this other stuff isn't going to you know, help you enough. So I appreciate the natural approach. No doctor is ever telling me just simply be kind. You know, and I think that's important. Be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. So I, I really resonate with the, the message that you're uh, sending our listeners here today. And so how can people reach Dr. Frank Lippman? Probably the easiest way is just to go to my website, drfranklipman.com, drfranklipman.com. That's probably the best. I am on Twitter, Facebook, although hard sort of, yeah. You know, I, I do social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but probably my website. I have a free newsletter, a lot of great information on my website. And then I have a practice in New York. And I'm also the medical chief medical officer of The Well, which is a medical spa, beautiful center in New York City as well. So I sort of wear two hats in New York City. Well, we are grateful that you are part of our city, our great city of New York, and you are a blessing because we need more people who don't just write the prescription and can give us other sage advice. Thank you for being on our show today, Dr. Lippman. Thank you, Eli. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love our listeners, and we believe you have greatness within you. If you like The Motivation Show, we appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Check out EliMarcusSuccess.com to hear more inspiring shows and to read our motivational blog. That's EliMarcusSuccess.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>